0: It's in field to money, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside,
1: 1-0! Blue foul shot! Oh my word! unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. very, very embarrassing to watch.
0: And now, your host, host Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll be really, really honest. I, I always enjoy doing the show, I always enjoy chatting with the guests. but. For the past couple of weeks, there hasn't been a lot to talk about. There hasn't been really anything concrete. And I'm really excited this week because we're going to talk about finances. Nothing scares the people in my house more than when I say, hey, guys, guess what? We're going to talk about finances. Um, but hopefully uh, it, it, it's somewhat enjoyable for you too. Um, hate to say it, but like, you know, it's good for me. So hopefully Tom enjoyed it and hopefully you do too. But uh, joining me to do that uh, is Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. He, if you remember, has been on the show before. He's involved with Allen March Sport, which provides uh, audio description commentary for the fans at St. Mary's who are blind and visually impaired. Um, you can get in touch with that Twitter account if you want, uh, at Alan March Sport and also at Saints underscore AD. Links to all those are in the show notes, of course, as well. And Tom also does a podcast. He does the Under the Lights podcast. Uh, he's part of the team that puts that together. Links to that are also in the show notes. So you can uh, find that. Check it out. Uh, give it a listen if you are a Saints fan. And uh, since we talked last time, Tom has moved uh, into a different kind of role with the BBC. So he's now at the BBC Radio Solent. So you can uh, you'll catch up on that as we get into the chat. But uh, once again, thanks for sending in your questions. Uh, thank you for joining the show. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're still being smart. I know we're all getting tired of this, but we just need to continue to kind of follow uh, the government's advice. And hopefully football will be back uh, before long. And the FA met last Thursday. The Premier League met last Friday. There's some ideas floating around. They're going to meet again this week. So hopefully there are some decisions coming down. We will discuss those on the next episode. But for now, here's Tom and I, football, finances, uh, memorable moments, and uh, your questions. So thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. You can also find him uh, as a freelancer at Solent Sport and BBC Radio Solent. He's also an AD commentator for Alan March Sport, calling all of the Saints. There are a lot of the Saints home games uh, for fans who are blind or, or visually impaired, and also on the Under the Lights podcast at under underscore Saints. Tom, welcome back to the show, and thanks for taking some time to chat with me this
1: week. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. When I saw the invite onto the show, I thought fantastic. Can't wait. It's something to definitely to uh, to fill the time whilst we have no football whatsoever.
0: Yeah, we just need something to look forward to sometimes, and sometimes this will this will this will do it for a lot of people. Usually, like the the schedule has been full for so long that it's nice to get to the point where like it's like, hey, I can reach back out and, and get some new people now. So so I'm glad to glad to have you
1: on. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on. Pleasure to be on.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's talk real quickly about, about you, because some things have changed since you've been on. I don't, we haven't had that much football, I don't think, since the last time you were on, but you have started at at uh, Radio Solent or Solent Sport. Um, So can you just kind of walk us through kind of what your role is there and, and maybe, yeah, just, let's just start, let's just start with that. Because obviously you get to work with a, a pretty great team. Uh, you get to become a part of a pretty great team. And just, I guess, you know, what what's that, what's that been like for you?
1: It's been really great. Um, I started shadowing there at the, in August, and I was getting the opportunity just to, to come and see see if I see if I liked it. And I'm working on the production side of things, so behind behind the scenes, uh, just keeping everything ticking over. And I've been really enjoying it so far. And I, I've been doing much more re- recently, and it was sort of coming to almost to a peak as it as it were, as uh, before football got shut off. So. A bit disappointed because I was find, really finding my feet, but hopefully we'll continue as uh, as uh, football comes back whenever it, whenever it does do that. So I've been really enjoying doing that there and obviously get to work with a really good team, meet some new people, and um, hopefully it will lead to more in the future. But as uh, everything is sort of up in the air at the moment, just got to knuckle down and make sure that I uh, let them know I'm a valuable member of the team when uh, when it all starts again.
0: I mean, have you learned a lot as you've you've gone through this from from some of the people that have been there? Just little tips and things for for dealing with games and I mean in, in terms of cutting audio for the radio and everything.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I I don't have I don't have a degree in journalism. I don't have a much technological expertise when it came to that sort of thing. When I started shadowing and when I was you know came in for that first day. Had a look around, see what everyone was doing, and the speeds that everyone was doing, uh, the the editing, and all getting stuff uploaded onto Twitter. I was thinking, wow, this is this is quite a quite a speed to get up to. But I went in, and then after a couple of uh, a couple of times being in there and doing this stuff myself, I've managed to get to grips with it, and I feel not, you know. Obviously, there's always room for improvement, but I think that I'd stand in good stead. If someone asked me to do something, I can get it done pretty quickly for them. And, you know, they've said to me, the members of the team said, uh, I've been doing really well. And Adam Blackmore himself has said that he's heard really good things. So from a personal point of view, that's really, uh, you know, it's really nice, to hear, really nice to hear that. And I just hope to, uh, uh, to do it even more in the future.
0: Do they let you work the Saints games?
1: Do they work? Let me work the Saints games. I They know I'm a big Saints fan. So it, sometimes I will go in there and just be like, you know, do you want me to do the Saints game? And they're more than happy to do that. But yeah, I, I, I get to do Southampton matches a lot of the time. And, you know, I'm not complaining about that whatsoever. Love that.
0: Yeah, does it, I mean, does it change? Because you have, you obviously have a job to do. So does it change the kind of way you, you have to look at the game or do you find yourself kind of fighting the urge to to just focus on on specific on just watching the game and and or is it you you're able to just compartmentalize it all and kind of go along with
1: it well at the very start it was a bit tough because it was like when i started with the uh, audio description commentary Mm -hmm. as a saints fan you know you really want to get into it you've got to you know make start putting up that barrier and just remember that you're there to do a job and you're not you, you can't be a fan you can still be a fan because you know the stuff that you're any any cheering is you know not going out on air um, but at the very start, I was being shown quite a critical thing to do. At the same time, that Genofo decided he was going to take it round everyone at Sheffield United, so that I, I was uh, I was watching that, and they're saying like Tom, focus. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then he scored, and it's like Tom, come on, we got to focus on this. And I was just thinking, but he's just scored one of the goals of the season. Did you see that? And then that was. Uh, it's actually since then, you know, it's much more reserved. I think one of the most enjoyable matches I've had to do. In terms of that, was probably Saints against Chelsea because it was such a good performance. And then once Saints went to and like you started to relax a bit. You, it, you know, I am quite tense when it's nil nil. The game started, sure. You got to clip all the things. But as it goes through, you know, now now that I go in, it's, it it is pretty relaxed. And um, you know, I've kind of, I found it is a lot easier to concentrate on a team that isn't yours. I did a couple of the Bournemouth matches, and that was really quite relaxed because obviously I'm not. I'm not a fan of either of the team, so I'm just watching the game and seeing how it goes, editing what I need to. Um, but you know, the Saints games always that little um, nerves as it is with any fan. But you know, it's, it, it, it makes it enjoy, It makes it really enjoyable, and then it, it's also nice to be like you know, I've been a little part of that as a as a Saints fan. So
0: well, I mean, so you're working on the production side of things. So what is you know, I guess what's the relationship between what we hear on the radio and what you're doing. Cause Adam and the team are calling it directly from Adam and Dave are calling it directly from the stadium, wherever that's at. Is that coming through you and going out or are you kind of cutting in the highlights and putting those on, on, um, it's more, it's more just
1: editing audio clips, interviews, um, at the, at the end, you know, okay. just uh, as the game goes, just little sound bites, that, that sort of thing. Um, obviously Adam and, um, Chris, they're all off the different, different stadiums. So it is coming through us, but, um, at the moment, I, I'm more into like sound bites, interviews, that sort of things. Just doing being as helpful as I can wherever wherever they ask me to be, and yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully get a bigger as as we go on. Maybe uh, sort of go up the go up the ladder as it were. But it's very early stages, and I'm just gonna do what I can just to uh, keep in keep in their minds. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, and and you have on mic experience, obviously, with the Saints AD commentary, and then obviously now you get the production side of it, so you get the backroom stuff as well. So, uh, you know, you'll you'll have a, a very good understanding of how all this works by by the end of it, you know.
1: Absolutely, and you know, having putting those together, the production side of things being on on mic, that can only put me in good stead as we go into the future, and I really. Enjoy doing the uh, the ADU commentary. It's a privilege to provide, you know, bring the game to life for those fans who are blind and visually impaired. Yeah. So, no, I, I really enjoy it, and uh, I really miss it at the moment with, the, with, it, with, with football not happening.
0: Yeah, I think that's... I, I, a lot of us miss a lot. I mean, I miss talking about matches that are happening right now and lamenting missed chances and talking about defensive woes. Like, I would take all of that, you know. Um, I wouldn't go all the way back to, like, Pellegrino take all of that but like i would take i would take a loss just so we could talk about it i think but you know it'll it'll be here it'll be back at some point and and i'm sure we'll long for the days when we didn't have to worry about it you know
1: <laughs> absolutely well though one question i have for you is like would you uh would you still want var back
0: you know yeah yeah um i want early season var back for us you know it seems like it's it's leveled out a little bit but yeah i mean oh you know, it, it I think it I think we'll be okay. We've benefited enough from it this season that I'll, I'll 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 allow it back for I guess.
1: Well, you know, it's been such a point of controversy this year. Yeah. So, who knows who knows when we obviously if they do start the football season again then it's not not a case of well we we'll, we'll get rid of it and yeah. use it another time because, you know, the last 10 games of the season if they were to say, "Oh yeah, we won't have the AR," sort of would be there would be up for us like no um, why so the last 10 games, you're not
0: going to have what you've had for the 28th fall round. Yeah. If I, can, if I can ask you, you guys kind of paused the Under the Lights podcast for a little while, and you guys are back doing it now. We're kind of switching gears a little bit. But um, can you just kind of fill me in on like what, what's been going on with the show and how you've, you've found doing the show? Have you, um, I mean, are, are, obviously you guys are enjoying doing it still, but uh, what's it been like to try to like you know, get that going again now that you guys have a little bit of, uh, of time on your hands?
1: It's been really good to get it back uh, going again. Callum and I, you know, we, we thought, you know, we've got this time. Why not you know, start it up again? It's the perfect time to get it get it going again. There was no real, no real reason as to the pause. It was just, you know, busy lives. And it was difficult to find time to record another episode. But now we've got that time. We're trying to put up as many episodes as possible. And it's been really enjoyable to do. We had uh, our most recent episode was look, going down memory lane for Saints, looking at back at some really fun, you know, away days, best goal. We talk a bit about the uh, the AD service as well. And um, I really enjoy being a part of it. And obviously it sort of keeps my, uh, my mind ticking over as well in terms of just being in charge of the editing of the podcast. That keeps me um, ticking over with, with like the BBC stuff actually gives me something to do that is quite, because that's quite relatable to to that to the work that i do
0: there yeah i guess it keeps keeps you sharp right like exactly e- editing audio is something that uh it, it you learn how to do it and i kind of have learned from youtube videos and everything else but if you don't do it enough if you take enough time off all of a sudden it just looks it, g- it gets overwhelming quickly um and so so keeping yourself sharp with that is is, is good and Uh, Maybe you don't get to use the exact same program as you do at at the BBC, but I'm sure it's, uh, it all kind of, a lot of them are really similar. So you'll be all right.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's something familiar, something to, uh, you know, just, as I said, you know, keep the, keep the, uh, the cogs on the brain from getting too much dust on them. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited this week a little bit because we have some stuff to talk about. Um, I've, you know, over the past couple of weeks, there hasn't been a whole lot of news coming out of the club, and there still isn't a lot of news. There's not. Uh, we don't have any real clarity as to when the season's going to start again or anything else. But we do have some other things to to discuss. So uh, we'll we'll kind of get into that stuff. And um, I, I did want to ask you, just looking back at the season so far. I mean, do you have a favorite a kind of match that stands out? If the season ended right now, what would be the kind of match to you that stands out uh, from from this season?
1: Oh, my. The one that really stands out has got to be the uh, the battering of Portsmouth um, towards the beginning of the season. Absolutely fantastic night. I wish I could have been there and uh, as a fan. Um, but no, that was that was absolutely fantastic. In terms of the, a league game, in terms of, because I was there and I commentated on it. The win against Aston Villa was really satisfying because Saints just, it was Saints utterly dominated and realistically, well. Really, it should have been about four or five nil towards the end of the game, and even that would probably be um, flattering to Aston Villa. We just couldn't put our chances away, but it was really enjoyable to commentate on a game where you were fairly certain that Southampton were going to come away with the three points. And I actually got to It's my favourite goal of the season to commentate on, but Armstrong's goal against Villa has got to be one of my favourite that I've done since starting the commentary, just because. It was quite tense going up to that. We're only 1-0 up. Villa had suddenly got himself a corner in the very last minute. You're thinking, oh my God, are we actually going to throw this away? Yeah, we've you done know, Villa before, been, really. <laughs> we before. Like this has happened before, Villa have been really, really poor. And the goalkeeper's going up. And suddenly the ball gets whipped and it's headed out. And then you realise that you've got a completely empty net to go for. Shea Adams has played an absolutely brilliant ball across the pitch. And you see just Stuart Armstrong, like a train, just sprinting away. And you know he's going to get to the ball first. You know he's going to have a shot on goal. And you know it's very likely to be a goal because it's an empty net. And I actually called, probably shouldn't have done, but, you know, it's pretty, pretty. I actually called the goal before the ball had even gone into the net because I just saw, as soon as he hit it, I said he scored because the ball is just, it, it, it is going to go in. It would take a brilliant defensive block to uh, to not put it in. But uh, no, that was really enjoyable. And to then know that Saints were 2-0 up, they were going to get a home win. It was going to be, a re- it was really fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. The Everything about that that match, it was typical Saints in terms of we should have been a, a, up way more. It should have been way more comfortable than it was at that point. Um, you have all that kind of tension in the last moment. Um, and you just, you just, the ball from Che Adams, I think uh, we've, I don't want to say it's gone under uh, undervalued, but that was a, it was great from him just to be able to, to kind of get to it, turn and play it. And, and then, like you said, Armstrong running onto it um, without the hair. Maybe he gets there a little bit faster it has a little bit easier shot, but you know, it's, it's okay. He scores. Yeah. I think that that was a big, a big game for us because uh, we needed, we needed points and it just, you know, Villa maybe had a little bit of confidence coming in that game. It was nice just to take that out of him, And I thought we, I thought we dealt with Grealish really well that day too. So um, pretty happy with, with the team on, on the day. Um, are there any other matches that kind of, that you remember or moments that you remember kind of distinctly and vividly the either as a fan or, or calling it on the commentary?
1: Uh, do, 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 do. The Man United game at the beginning, the one all draw was good fun uh, because the, the start that the start that Saints made in that game was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Obviously, they didn't. They didn't score, but for ten minutes it was just battering United, pressing them really high, and it was really exciting to see this pressing game in full flow. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, United then took the lead afterwards. But just those first ten minutes was really brilliant to watch. Um, in terms of not not being there, but you know, the, the win against the away win against Leicester was fantastic, considering everything that had happened before. The result that we don't want to talk about sure. um, coming into it, not only getting the three points against Leicester, but we were playing so well and we we could have won by even more. I mean, we could have scored three or four that game ourselves. I remember Ings had a brilliant chance towards the end where we broke on the halfway line and he just had to place it in the corner and Schmeichel made a brilliant save, but it just felt, you know, that Saints had really, really turned it around. I mean, we were playing, that was when, another brilliant performance the away went at Chelsea when we, you know, we were going away and we were dominating teams. The Crystal Palace game, at Selhurst Park, you know, we we never looked like conceding at all in that game. Yes, they had an early chance where uh, they should have they should have scored, but since that, it was 80 minutes or so of complete domination, and it was really funny to watch Zaha continue to get really, really, really wound up by Ward Prowse and Ward Prowse winning every single challenge. Um, so that 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 that's always fun to what to whip him up, but yeah. you know, Saints were. It was just that run of games where Saints were just going away to teams. I think they won four away games in a row. And even then, even though we lost to Liverpool for the first half, we were more than in it and arguably could have had a penalty early in the second half when Liverpool broke and scored. So it was that period where we just played some fantastic football. And, but the Leicester one, I think, stands out the most for me just because of what it meant. You know, the turnaround, mm-hmm. one of the most embarrassing results in the club's history, mm-hmm. and they've gone away. And they've dominated, they have brought back three points because at the end of the day, Leicester have got three points from Saints. Saints have got three points off Leicester. It doesn't matter what the score is. Yeah. Both teams have come out equal at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, you you think maybe, maybe because of the uh, just the goal difference. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we've we've done enough to kind of get it uh, to, to kind of balance it out a little bit. And, you know, yeah, I'll I'll take that turnaround. And um, you know, even though we've kind of been off a while, uh, the BBC has has done some work, and and um, Adam Blackmore had a chat with Martin Simmons that came out on at uh, least a little bit on Twitter that I saw, um, asking, uh, uh, talking to to him about the 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 nine 0 result and, and kind of Ralph's reaction to it. Um, did you did you happen to catch that at all?
1: Yeah, I saw uh, saw a bit of that about how you know Ralph was incredibly honest and said, look, if I was your chairman, I'd have sacked me. Yeah, and I think. I mean at the time after the nine after the nine nil result you know we were all shell shocked we didn't know what to think. It was just pure embarrassment it was feeling um really really low i i looking, looking back at it, I'm glad that I wasn't commentating on the game because it would be, you know i i, I don't know what i don't know what i would've had to say it just it was it was, it was crazy, and I think at the time the loads of people were calling for Ralph to go, and I can completely understand that i mean it's a nine nil loss, but I thought that Ralph has done all he can on the side and it's up to the players to do what they have to to perform what he wants on the pitch. And I thought Ralph needs to stay because otherwise we're just going to continue the cycle. And I have to give full credit to Ralph and full credit to the players because, you know, these are the same, play- the same players on the pitch that night. Are the same ones that then won at Chelsea and won at Leicester and beat Palace and beat Tottenham. You know, hats off to all of them. They've 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 turned the season around completely.
0: Yeah, and and I think just looking at how that conversation went, you respect Ralph for coming and saying, like, look, I understand if you sack me, I deserve it at this point. And I also appreciate the club saying, there's so much more here that has been done that you have done than what showed up there tonight. And we're not going to judge you on this one result because we know that other things we've watched you train we've watched the guys develop we've seen the team come along and this is a bump in the road and we're going to get over it and and just the kind of long-term um understanding and and vision from the club to to stick with it and for Ralph to understand that and for the players to get over it and, and everything that's happened since then like that it was great and and it would have been very easy for for people to you know, for, to, to, for them to just sack the manager and, and move on to, to the next one. But, um, I I'm, I'm definitely in the Ralph in camp. I'm very much behind him and think he's doing a great job. Um, and think we're actually fairly fortunate to be able to have a manager of that quality at the club after, um, the, the couple of managers that we've had and, you know, recently. And, and I just, you know, yeah, we, we could have really, I think, hurt ourselves had we, had we gotten rid of him. So I thought that was a, a pretty interesting, um, you know, little little interview that that Adam had, and and I think Martin Simmons is, uh, you know, really, I think he's he's definitely making fans happy in terms of of uh, you know, he's given us some confidence, I guess, that the maybe we have the right people in the job behind the scenes to to help Ralph and uh, the players continue to develop.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think that you know Ralph is a superb manager, and I think we're incredibly lucky to have him. And, you know, Saints have gone through a period where it hasn't been good. And I think they now have themselves a manager that can really pull them up the league. And, you know, even even more, it's going to be really exciting to see what he can achieve with the club when he, you know, he can mould the squad. He can get the players that he wants. And it's really... It's really encouraging to see the, the those quotes from Martin Simmons about you know he was the thought of sacking him didn't even cross his mind right um that shows you know that behind the scenes as you say the the club do have a plan and they've got the people that they believe are right, and as fans we can get confidence from that to know that you know the club is in a good place at the moment
0: I am excited for when we come back because I feel like you said we' we're, we have the right people in in certain positions and I still think it will take time to sort things out and things might be a little bit more difficult financially for us going forward um, based on kind of what we're going to talk about next. But uh, we'll, you know, we can only do whatever we can do and hopefully it kind of all all builds from there. But um, I did want to talk a little bit about finances and, and things that this week and um, maybe nobody else will be excited, but this is something I, I you know, uh, we talked earlier about you know having something concrete to kind of talk about, and I'm I'm kind of excited to to discuss this kind of stuff. And there, the guys over at the Price of Football, uh, Karen McGuire, did a uh, valuation of all of the Premier League teams um, based on their accounts that they published uh, from the 2018-2019 season. Um, the only team that didn't publish their accounts at the time that he did it was Palace. I guess Palace are notoriously always late for publishing those things, so theirs are are not quite right, but um Southampton came in at 13th uh in the table in terms of, of value from really clubs um and I mean the the shocking thing I think I said this over to you but uh the most shocking thing to me was was the fact that that Spurs were were valued as the as the most valuable club in the in the league which I think a lot of people maybe had had an issue with did, did, did that shock you at all
1: it, it did a bit because obviously the team that we associate to be at the very top in terms of value is Manchester City, especially with who backs them and who knows with takeover happens where Newcastle will be placed on that. But um, I, I did a bit of digging with the with the Spurs valuation, and I think it's more to do with the fact that they've got this brand new stadium, yeah. a lot of sponsorship deals to go with that, a lot of people excited to be associated with that stadium, and I can't, you know. You, you completely understand why it's it's fantastic i i haven't been i'd I'd like to go because it looks absolutely brilliant and you know i'm quite jealous of spurs that they have such a nice stadium um but i think a lot of it is to do with that and you know when when something like that opens people everyone wants to they know it's going to be successful everyone wants a piece of it so that will only increase their value i think one thing that i really noticed noticed about that um of what you showed me was and it's not it's not exactly a shock, but just how much of a disparity there is between the big six teams and then the rest of the league in terms of value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Spurs, what is it? I mean, that's a that's a gigantic number. But I mean, the 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 drop off, I mean, after Chelsea, uh, Wolves are the next most valuable, uh, 458 million pounds. And that is less than half of what Chelsea is. Um Chelsea come in at just under half of what Spurs are though so even that disparity in the top 6 is is uh, is huge and and a little bit more to to do with the Spurs valuation is that they have the brand new stadium they have enough seats to bring in match day revenue which is 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 loads more than they could bring in at the old white hart lane um they have a wage bill that is you know 100 million pounds to 150 million pounds less than the other members of the top 6 uh, well, at least of Manchester City, Manchester United, and, and Liverpool. So, and, and they got to a Champions League final, um, and you know, so they did all of these things, and that just like it just shoots their value way up. And they're also in London, so they're a tourist attraction. So you have these people that can come on a match day, and when the tourists show up, um, they the first thing they do is is go to the shop and buy the 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 jersey and the scarf and 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 everything else. Whereas if you go to a place like maybe say Everton not so much of a, of a tourist destination or Fulham, which is not big enough to hold kind of, uh, any, anybody other than the, the season ticket holders. And I know they have the neutral stand and all that stuff, but, um, you can't, it's hard to get other tickets there. So you get season ticket holders in and when they go in, they have a beer and a, and a, and a pie and that's it. And so that, the, the big difference in, in terms of revenue they can bring out on a match day is there. Um, and then, you know, from then on, uh, it, it you know, it kind of boils down to, to you know, uh, TV rights deals and and things like that, and um, I think that's one of the things that if you look at where we finish in there, two, we're valued at two hundred sixty nine million uh, pounds. Most of our money over the past, you know, since we've been promoted back, has come from has come from selling players, right? Like we have over a quarter of a billion pounds just in selling players to Liverpool uh, in that time. So like we we've relied on that business model, which could be a, a problem going forward. I think based on um, what's likely to happen to player values as we as we go forward, um, because the the projection is that everybody's value in terms of you know what, what what they can be sold for and things like that is going to go down, which means that all of these guys we have on our books, um, think of Wesley Hoot, uh, guys like this, like all of their values are going to go down. Yannick Vestergaard, that value is going to go down. We need to get rid of them in order to continue this business model, and it's going to make it uh, a, a little bit harder. So we could likely see our value continue to slip and go backwards um, if if we don't kind of uh, change these things or if we don't kind of adjust the business model a little bit to, to make up for that.
1: I think that's a, re- that's a really good point because obviously with everything that's going on, we're going to, those va- those player values are going to go down. And as we've seen, the, the owner of Southampton has said, he wants Saints to be self-sufficient. So a lot of the, uh, what we spend on, players needs to be generated from player sales and obviously that value the the value has gone down in recent in recent years and quite obviously because Saints don't have haven't had the quality that they've had in past years to actually be able to sell they don't currently have someone like Stadio Mane Virgil van Dijk which can accumulate 100 million of uh, transfer fees just on their own and obviously I think Another reason that the value might might be a bit lower is just because Saints finished 16th, and therefore the income that they had for their finish, and then the season before that, I think it was 17th. So in terms of the actual um, prize money that they get for their positioning in the table, could could account for that as well. But I think it's a it's a good point about the player values. You know, I don't know which particular players Saints are going to look to sell. You know, that you think the ones that come to mind will be. Mario Lamina, there was a rumor that I saw someone on Twitter that Saints Asking Price was now had been dropped to $9 million for Lamina. I don't know if that's true, um, but it just shows how much the market is, is switching. Do they want to try their arm and get and give Elianusi another chance, or are they going to think that he, he's gone? Wesley Hoot, another one that Saints, you know, it seems, especially with the transfer activity, that it's a player that the, the Ralph has said he doesn't want him in his plans um so yeah but i think it's going to be that's going to be a a problem for all the teams and one thing that i had a uh, had to think about with you know with, with the coronavirus situation is the longer that there's a gap between um matches another thing to think about is that you know football is a short career in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, yeah. players, especially young players, might get a bit itchy feet quite quickly because, essentially, we might be looking at a year out of their career just gone like that, and they're going to be wanting to develop onto the next stage and thinking if they've got their own career path, a young player might think, well, I'm, I, I'm expecting to move to a big club by now, so they might it might make it difficult for certain clubs if players are getting itchy feet and they want to move on, whereas they may have spent the last year developing even more as a player and that's part of the contract, and then then their club. So they're saying to the club, "Look, I want to move. I, I want to progress." But that's cause, you know, and uh, uh, maybe older players as well might. I don't know how they might be um, quite worried about you know, especially in the lower leagues. Their career, they're coming towards the end of their career. They're going to. They, they still need their uh, they still need their wages. They still. Uh, I. I can't. I can't remember about what the situation is with footballers. Are they are they being paid? I have no idea about that. You'd imagine that some of the, the would be so. In the Premier League, maybe money's not so much of an issue, but it's certainly in the lower leagues. These players are thinking, look, I need to. I need to at least get some more. Get try and get my final pay rise before you know before I retire, so I can set my family up. So yeah. it, that's another thing. So, you know, as as well as player prices going down, are we going to see players? Move on that previously may have stayed at their current club for another year or two, but because their career has just suddenly been cut short by another year, um, are they going to be itching to move? Up? Are we going to see a lot of transfer demands from younger players that want to develop as quickly as possible?
0: Yeah, and I think some of the things that we've seen with with teams is that they don't have large cash reserves. A lot of these teams are operating kind of you know uh, month to month, day to day, and so when you all of a sudden have you know two, three four months of of you gotta pay you know, you have to pay people um they don't have that money, and so you're you're looking at um uh, players either deferring portions of their wages like the players at S- at Southampton have done or uh, and other clubs have done or um you look at other situations uh, things that are happening where um some clubs are having to lay people off some clubs are having to yeah. you know cancel you, you look at you, you think even if the men's team survives you know, women's teams and things may not survive because they gen- they tend to operate at a loss anyway um so it's it's not uh it's not the most pleasant uh, of viewing figures but um the like the the valuation of these clubs comes in and it looks at a couple of things and one of them is match day revenue and so you, you talk about with spurs get a bunch there um you know obviously you know uh player sales and things like that account and that's where the bulk of ours has come in and and Saints have been praised by that and i've been like you know honestly like the ability to identify you know young talent or talent that has been missed by other people and then turn that into a profit that's that's a great you know the black box has done great things if it it ever existed period but um that that model though tends to to you you have a couple of, of misses and all of a sudden you get in some real trouble and i think that that could be an issue later on and and the other big kind of source of income is is um you know getting on TV and being on TV and being uh, you know uh, everybody gets the same amount for the first ten games. so if you're on TV ten times, you don't get any extra money. that's that's the money that everybody gets. Um, and then every time you get on TV after that, you 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 increase uh, you, the money you get as a result of that by either, somewhere between a million and a million and a half pounds per per time you're on TV. Um, well, you know, if you think about the football we've played over the past couple of seasons, Um, it hasn't been that, it wasn't that great under Powell. it wasn't that great, uh, under Pellegrino, it wasn't that great under Hughes. And so we fell from, you know, being on TV like 16 times, um, to the next season to 2018, 2019, being on TV only eight times, which means we didn't make any extra money on that. And so, you know, you, you look at that and you're talking somewhere between, you know, eight and, and 14 million pounds extra that we could be earning if we were playing better football. Um, and that turns out to be uh, pretty significant in terms of, of what we're looking at in terms of the value of the club and in this kind of self-sustaining model that we have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously fans, you know, who pay for those TV packages would not have wanted to. They wouldn't have been really uh, keen to look at some of the football that we were playing earlier on in under like the likes of Pellegrino. And and well, um, I think... That will increase as we go forward. Hasenhugel's certainly got them playing uh, a really exciting brand of football. It's taken a little time to actually get it to click. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a difficult one with the club valuation because, um, obviously, we're in a group, we're in that clump of teams. That, I mean, we talked about the disparity between the top six and the, the rest of the, the team. And then from walls down, it's only a matter of just a few million um, in between each in between each club so if you think about it, it uh, that that is where that TV money could be coming in but another team just plays a slightly bit more exciting in a particular season and that can maybe switch them up maybe one or two places so I think it's very it's very tight in that group towards um, sort of middle towards the bottom yeah um, and obviously that came at a time that Saints weren't doing so well and um, you know, they weren't, with, again, with the match day revenue, when you're not playing good football, the number of fans who want to come to the games is going to go down as well. Mm-hmm. And this is, I found myself, especially under Pellegrino, I, I, didn't, I wasn't that enthused about going to the stadium because we just weren't playing, weren't playing very well. So if I felt like that, if loads of other fans felt like that, then you're going to have a lot of, you know, you are going to see a dip in attendances. Yeah. So it would be interesting to have a look at this valuation when for the next year, when obviously Saints are now playing more exciting, there've been huge crowds at St Mary's. Um, you know, the, the fans are really enjoying the football. It's uh, the, the players seem to be enjoying the football as well. That actually brings me to the last game we played before football got stopped. Newcastle at home. Now, obviously, we lost. It was quite. It was very disappointing. But the atmosphere at St Mary's was absolutely fantastic. They were, you know, they're just cheering the players on. And I think that's something a couple of years ago under Po you know, if we have gone one nil down to Newcastle, you may not have seen that. The fans didn't buy into the philosophy as much, but with under Hasenhutl, you know, they're getting really behind the team. They know that the players are doing their utmost. They're trying their best to play in this particular match. And obviously the fans had sort of had the bit between their teeth. Jennifer got sent off, was, I mean, I, I think... It was rightfully a red card I don't want to discuss, go go all the way back just to discuss the match, but you know was it a red card from my view I was as a commentator I wasn't quite sure, but then we don't have a replay so I just thought um he might have nicked him a little bit as he went past because I was quite surprised that the referee had even blown for a foul and then obviously he gets sent off and we're because we don't have a replay we're left to think is it a red card so really you know we're, we're thinking at half time someone's got to get on YouTube and have a look at the uh, have a look at foul we saw it and said okay yeah. He's not intended to do that, but you know, in the laws of the game, it is a red card. It's quite, it's quite dangerous. And so we were just a bit... I, I was certainly perplexed about how later on in the game, um, Newcastle didn't get sent down to 10 members. Well, when Mankio, uh, he slid into Bertrand's chest. I don't... Again, yeah. did, he, uh, did he Did he? pull out? I'm not quite sure. And then, obviously, the penalty, which I thought was incredibly harsh, because foul yes, it's touched part of his arm, but if you look is Post- the, the Newcastle player is actually tugging him so that his body shape has swung in that direction. So it was, it, was a hard, it was a harsh one. I said I didn't want to talk about the game, but I've just gone and done it anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, going back to it, the, the fans were fantastic for the entirety of that game, even when it, you, know, the, you knew it was against the wall, and that will show I think in the next figures as they come out that you know the fans have really bought into Ralph they bought into the manager and there's going to be an increase in match revenue you'd expect and then maybe you know say play more exciting football will that put them a couple of places higher than they did in this particular graph
0: yeah yeah it's uh hopefully we see that kind of swing and obviously the the finances come out after you know it, it, they it takes a while like they're a full year behind essentially um so we won't see kind of how this season goes until until we're in the next season but it is important, and I mean, we've made a profit of uh, over over a quarter of a billion pounds uh, in in terms of of player sales uh, net. That's net profit on player sales, and um, that's great. But we're going to struggle to continue to do that because if you think you know, you've had a couple of really big name players go uh, in that time. You um, think of Van Dyke, you think of Mane, you um, think of Schneider, and you think of all of these guys who who have gone for big money, um, and and you just wonder who's who's the next player that goes for big money from Southampton it's kind of you know I don't know um unless Hoiberg goes maybe uh people are talking about that but we'll we'll see um how all of this plays out and I don't want to go in and do a bunch of speculation there's enough of that there's enough of that out there but um you know one of the things that could affect this as well in terms of us attracting new talent is this um you know post-Brexit things are going to change in terms of Getting players in from from the European Union for for just from outside the UK, all of a sudden all these other rules that uh, that apply to getting players from outside of of the European Union or the European kind of free trade area now that applies to everybody from outside of the UK and um, all of a sudden it you know you, it takes into account things like uh, the number of international caps and the quality of the international team they play for um, so you know the the higher ranked FIFA ranked teams you have a better chance of getting that, that work permit kind of approved uh, the number of caps they have, the the size of the transfer fee, which I think is going to be big and the size of the wages they'll be making in terms of in relation to the the players at the team and the, and the, the league overall. Um, and all of a sudden I, I, as I'm seeing these things kind of come together, I, I, I get really, really worried about us being able to attract the next player that we need and can develop that can then be sold for a high profit that will allow this model to to continue and and i am maybe I'm, I'm i'm worrying about this too much but um i i am definitely definitely worried about this uh and i don't know if you've if you've looked at it at all or
1: i think that like to counter counter that you know every other team in the premier league is going to have the same issue i think um so it's not like it's going to be just about, just against Saints the entire uh, for that every every team is going to be having the same difficulty in signing players i think to swing a, a positive view on that it could give a lot of the if we're unable to get particular players it could give some of the good talents in the academy even 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 better chance to get into the team and then if they do if they do play really really well then essentially you have you your investment into them as a player um, throughout their time is probably still far less than an actual transfer fee. And then, if say, for example, let's throw, let's throw out a name and say Will Smallbone turns out to be absolutely incredible. He's one of the most sought after Premier League midfielders. If Saints were then to decide to sell him, they would be essentially getting a huge profit on on yeah. him because they haven't really spent much of a transfer fee into him in terms of that kind of um, that kind of income. And as fans, we love it when one of our own comes through. Yes, Danny Ings is one of our own, but he he, he he's come back. But you, there's a huge connection between the fans and a player that they know is pretty much Southampton through and through. And if we are unable, if it's going to get a bit more, a bit more difficult to sign players from afar, then it gives more chance for some academy lads to come through. And then Saints fans can feel an even greater connection to the team. Jake Bokins looks like a fantastic talent. Smallbone's already shown that he can, in his in his brief minutes, that he's certainly capable of playing in the Premier League. Obafemi, is, you know, he's scored a couple of goals. He's got, it seems to me that he has a couple of fitness, fitness issues, maybe with injuries, but there's certainly a quality player in there. And, you know, there are other talents coming through that Ralph wants to try out. Slattery, Another another player who looks quite exciting, um you know, Saints have a track record of producing good youngsters. So it could it it could actually be a real positive for Saints that they can bring even more youth players through. And if they were to decide to sell them in in the future, then they would be essentially making a profit on pretty much all of
0: them. Yeah, and they may be able to command a, a slightly higher price for those simply because the the number of players of homegrown players that you you may have to have. Um, you know, from that 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 number is expected to go up as a result of this uh, post Brexit football uh deal, and and as a result of that, maybe English players like one, like you said, more of a chance for them to get into the team. Um, so that emphasis that we have on the academy and and developing those players that that will do us well, and and other teams maybe looking to to bring those people in. Um, that that could like as you said, that could be uh a, a a source of, of income for us going forward. So that is, that is true. Um, my, I was kind of thinking about some of the players that we've had over the past, um, a couple of transfer windows and, you know, you know, Janapo might've been able to get in because of the size of the transfer fee and the fact that he's had been playing for Molly for so long. Um, he had been involved, but, um, I think one of the, I, I think based on what I was able to, to just kind of throw together in the last couple of, of you know, hours or whatever. Um, I don't think Bednarak would have made it. Um, not enough senior caps for his, his, uh, for Poland who are not highly ranked on the FIFA table or the FIFA world ranking at that point. Um, not coming from, he is coming from a top division league, but the, the transfer fee was so low that, that a lot of people would have said he, you know, wouldn't have done it. So like we may, we may have not have had Jan Bednarak had this, had this been there and granted this one player, but I was just trying to like, kind of, you know, put it together and see how this could, uh, could, could be there and, and my like my biggest thing here is um you know if if we're missing some of those big name stars that come because a lot of players uh come from outside of the premier league they come from outside of england um if you're missing those big name stars and the talent is more spread evenly across europe you know maybe that makes the champions league a little uh, more entertaining because teams are a little more evenly matched but at the same time the the tv rights deals that so many of us uh, so many teams rely on, I think 75% of Southampton's income comes from the TV rights deal, just the base package. Um, if that goes down because the quality of the league goes down a little bit, then, you know, all of a sudden the money for transfer fees and things, lessens and lessons. And once again, that will put more emphasis on the Academy. So that could be, you know, we could be in a good position for this and being able to just scout youngsters and and develop them. Make like maybe, maybe this will work out for us. But I still think that um, you know the big six. I think will have uh, because they have the money, they can pay the higher transfer fee, they can get the, the stars uh, from other leagues and from these countries that are ranked higher in the FIFA uh, ranking. Um, all of a sudden, it it becomes um, you know you could see them pull even further away. But it all kind of depends on how it all it all works out. And we're speculating. Maybe I'm freaking out about nothing, but I am I'm I've seen everything else in life kind of spiral downward. I just don't want to see. <laughs> the league and the team do that as well.
1: No, I comp- I completely understand and you know it's going it's going to be difficult but then again uh, l- like I said this this will apply to all the other all the other teams as well. Yes, the the larger teams will be able to pay those large fees um and you know they'll be able to buy these players from countries that are doing well in the FIFA rankings. So well, that seems to have been the norm for quite a while in terms of the big 6 might just continue to build a gap between them and the the teams below, although Leicester and Wolves are doing a fantastic job of breaking into, and of course Sheffield United, I'd be gutted for them if the season were to be made null and void because they've had a superb season. But anyway, I digress from the main point, which is that yeah, this this could be an, could be uh, an an issue, and I think it will be an issue for some teams. Like you said, we wouldn't have we may not have signed Bednarik, and that would have been you know in, in hindsight if we hadn't had Benaric, where would we? be defensively but um i think i think there's certainly some positives to be taken out the the thought of that we could you know nicolo nicolo cortese did have that uh, dream of having 50 of the starting 11 from the academy so who knows maybe many years after he has uh, not been chairman we may be having to having to do that due to uh, maybe any possible transfer restrictions
0: yeah and i and i should just kind of i guess look at what i said earlier and and just say like my relationship with the premier league i've only been around since kind of the nature of the premier league has been by big stars from everywhere else around the world you know and so i understand that a lot of people that have been around football for longer than i have that have seen this kind of they've seen it shift from you know if you look at uh, go back to to 76 like how many of those players were from anywhere other than the UK and and not very many, right? Like all of these players were, were, were born and bred in and around, um, England. And, and so because of that, like this, this shift away from that, I think a lot of people will be happy to see more homegrown players. And, and I think as long as we, we remember that and, and realize that the players are good, like there are plenty of good English players that can come in and fill in teams, um, but just it's a. I think the reason that it's is a shock for me is because it's it's something different than what I've been, like what I've what I've been accustomed to, I guess. And so that that'll come in. Um, but just to end this this portion on a, on a positive note, um, in terms of South Coast teams, we are uh, the highest valued club on the South Coast without a doubt. Um, Bournemouth, the only team in the Premier League to come in under a hundred million pounds, according to this valuation. Um, so take that. Also, Brighton's down there as well. Portsmouth doesn't make the list because they only did Premier League clubs. So uh, we'll just move on uh, from that there, unless you have anything to add to it.
1: No, no, not particularly. I think we've, I think we've covered it quite well. And as you said, it's nice to come out uh, on top on the South Coast.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine some people will have shut this off because they're like, what are we, what are we doing? Um, but I, I like finances. I like numbers. Um, sorry to everybody out there. Um, we, we have just a couple of questions this week. And I, I should say Southampton News Now wrote an article about Michael Obafemi. You mentioned Michael Obafemi earlier uh, for the newsletter that was out on Friday. So if you kind of missed that, want to read a little bit more about Obafemi, um, the link is is on the website in the show notes and you can get to the newsletter to do that. Um, and also he's been doing a lot of other stuff, a lot of interviews and things over on his Instagram page. So it's Southampton News Now. Uh, you can check that out. But he asks us a, I think it's a fairly difficult question about, um, Midfielders, and he says rank these five from best to worst. So you have Remyu, Ward Prowse, Schneiderlin, Hoyberg, and Wanyama. How do you how do you rank those in terms of, of of midfielders?
1: Well, they it's quite difficult to rank those because they do different jobs. Um, I think let's assume that all of them are in their prime. It actually gets really quite difficult. Ward Prowse, I think, would come on top for me just because he you know he's really added a lot to his game. He's running around. He's added a, and he's running the most. He's scoring some fantastic goals. He's also, um you know, He's adding a bit of bite to his game, which we didn't really see from him in his early careers. He sort of floated through the game, maybe sometimes was a bit lightweight. But now he's really aggressive. He's like a terrier in the middle, just sort of snapping at people's heels. And that's really good to see, like a, a midfielder, and especially someone who I think could be and should be captain in the future. Like, and he, he is a leader on the pitch. So i I'd probably rank him to. I was, was Schneidlin there as well in that list. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Schneidlin, I think, would come second for me because I, I, I love Morgan. I think he epitomised the rise from from the championship down to League One and then all the way back up again, and then staying for that final season to get us into the into European football. He he would come second purely because I just am a big fan of Watford. But Schneidlin then would come second for me. I really, he was a fantastic player he would just nonchalantly hit a 50-yard ball and it would be inch perfect to whoever it was aimed to go at. And to have that kind of quality in League One was incredible. And there was a brilliant quote from Nigel Adkins at the beginning of the championship season where he said, you know, we've got a really good side here. You know, Morgan Schneidlin is probably the best midfielder in the entire league, but he can't get into our team because Schneidlin was on the bench for the first game. And I thought that was... You know, he, he, and he was. He was a brilliant brilliant midfielder. I was incredibly sad when he did leave, but I thought that, you know, he'd given his all and he had a bit of a tantrum was allowed, and, because he wasn't allowed to go. Then he said, yeah, I'll stay for the final year. And he put, everything, he put his heart and soul into that, and that was fantastic. And he left on a high. And after that, so we've got, uh, I'd, I'd say, I'd say Koi because on his day. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. And certainly last season he was on top form and was, you know, running running the midfield, winning the ball back really well, scoring some fantastic goals. And he's a he's a, he's another really good leader on the pitch. I, I really I really rate him and I think, you know, at at, at the moment he is one of our better midfielders as, as well. And you know, he he shows a lot of passion on, on the pitch and he's you know, he could probably be a captain as well. And then and then I'd probably have It's difficult to choose between Wanyama and Romeo because in the 16-17 season, Romeo was absolutely unplayable. He was one of our best players for that season because he won everything in the midfield. He controlled the midfield. And, you know, I think the reason we managed to finish eighth in that season was because he was such a tenacious midfielder during that season and just broke up the play. He didn't care about if he got any yellow card. He's a player who, you know the referee would probably give him a warning and he'd just be like, yeah, don't care, he's still going to do it. And he'd he'd pick up the booking. He was fantastic midfield and but it's difficult to choose between him and Wanyama because Wanyama, again, another player on his day was sensational. I think, I think I'd go for Romeo as fourth just because Wanyama on it sometimes did get a bit reckless and I remember in the 15-16 season he got sent off a couple of times where, you know, he, he, that really decided those games. I think one of them was Norwich away. This is a game that we can go and win. And then he got himself sent off and we ended up losing the game. And, you know, it sort of felt felt like he let the team down as as a fan. Um, it, it's difficult. I think Romeo, Romeo if, if we're choosing about players on their peak, at their peak, Romeo in that 16-17 season was fantastic. And that I'd put him just above Wanyama for that one. Some fans are probably going to think how on earth have you put Wanyama bottom? But, you know, well
0: yeah, I mean it's I think it really depends on just the you look at the role they played in the team at the time and, and things like that. And and the list is difficult to put together because you could kind of stick I think any of these guys next to JWP in a four two three one or a four two 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 and and they would be fine. Um Hoiberg has been the captain, he's fallen off a little bit this season. Um JWP seems to be still have maybe the highest ceiling, you know. Uh, Rameyu had a, a good season and played very, very well. Hasn't quite done it again. In in Wanyama, he's you know now playing in the MLS. Like that's or MLS. I'm not supposed to say the in front of it, but he's now playing in MLS. And I mean that that just shows you kind of how things haven't quite worked out from him. Schneiderlin hasn't quite hit those heights either. So I, I think you know I can't disagree with your list or your reasoning uh, all that much. I think if you could just start two of them, I'd be you know peak Schneiderlin peak JWP. I think that'd be that'd be fine. You could also maybe play a four, two, three, one and put uh JDP a little bit further forward. Um, but I think what he's shown this year is he can, he can handle himself in a two, just, just, just fine. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I like your, I like your reasoning there. I like your, I like the list. And, and I, I mean, I miss, I miss watching Wanyama Yama Schneiderlin in the midfield a little bit. Like that was a good season, uh, that they had, even though Wanyama tended to get himself, uh, sent off a little bit. Um,
1: just on that point actually about midfield one player that's missing out of that um out of that list that I would love to include was my friend Luke and I we had a season ticket from from League 1 the three seasons from League 1 up to the Premier League and the partnership between Morgan Schneiderlin and Jack Cork was fantastic um he actually he plays he plays as a central midfielder himself and he said he his game was all about what Jack Cork did because the, um, and he would say after the game like I'd go like, what would you make of that game and he says I don't really watch too much of it. I was just watching what Jack Cork was doing because I think that he the, the, the Schneidlin and Cork partnership was really underrated at the time and they worked so well in a pivot with each other and yes Jack Cork is not you know you don't think of him straight away when it comes to Saints midfielders but I think He's an incredibly underrated player. I was quite disappointed when he did leave, but he left under in, when Kuma was in charge because he wasn't get that much, getting that much take, game time. And I respect that, that he wanted to move so he could be a first-team player somewhere else. But I don't know where I'd put him on the list, but Jack Cork, I think, is definitely an honourable mention for one, one of my favourite midfielders that been on the been at the club.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of fans that uh, were around when he was kind of at the team really kind of respect the what he brought to the team and, and really... Uh, i guess remember him pretty, fairly fondly uh which which is good um we got a bunch of other stuff from instagram most of it is is people not asking questions which is great uh we did get a uh, a lot of questions from um vinzu there's a lot of o's there i don't know how many um uh, but there's a lot and he's got a lot of questions here i don't know if you can see them on the outline we, we shouldn't answer all of them because we'll be here you know for, through next week's show um but do you see any in there that you'd like to, to kind of take a crack at?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of them is uh, the one about the, the best Italian player that Saints have had. And I did a bit of digging. When I saw the outline, I did a bit of digging. And the only three that I could find was Valdo Pella and Gabbiadini. Um, the best Italian out of all of them, I think, is quite easy to pick. And that's Graziano Pella. 30 goals during his two, two seasons. He was... You know, he, he was filling big shoes because he was filling the position of Lambert, essentially. He was Saints' target man. Lambert had left. Saints needed a new striker, a new focal point. Rodriguez was out on the sidelines in the for pretty much the entire year. Pella came in, and he was absolutely fantastic. And he, he seemed, both seasons seemed to mirror each other in terms of he'd start off really, really well, not score between December and March, and then score a quite, a like five or six at the very end of the season. I really I really like Pella as a player and on form he was, you know, a joy to watch. When he wasn't on form it was quite painful. Um, so he would keep on trying those flicks and those little tricks and they wouldn't come off. But when he was on form they would go everywhere and of course the overhead kick against QPR is just an absolutely sensational goal and the the quality I mean this this guy's what he's six foot two, six foot three, he's a big guy and he's yeah. just gone for the overhead kick. You normally associate overhead kicks with more nimble players, but Peller he's managed to do that and he said it so sweetly. Uh I, I, I really and the partnership that he had with Dusan Tadic was you know, they they obviously loved playing together and mm. Tadic showed up when Peller was playing and Peller showed up when Tadic was playing. It was a really really good combination and you can actually tell in the season that Pella left that Tadic looked a little bit lost in terms of who he's going to pass it to and maybe you know that under well whilst we finished in eighth, there were some subpar performances in there that we were quite disappointed the lack of goals for one of them and obviously that was I think Tadic not having a focal point that he was used to someone they knew their game inside and out the other two Osvaldo he scored a fantastic goal and it was a case of what might have been if he'd actually not been an absolute nutcase and head-butted Fonte. and Gabbiadini. He, he'll always be a bit of a cult hero. He started, he scored those two goals in the League Cup final. Should have been three. Um, he, you know, if he kept up that form, then he would have been arguably, I reckon if he kept up that form, he'd probably go top of the list, but he didn't. He did score that memorable goal to keep us in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, Swansea away. Swansea away. I uh, went nuts for that one. Lo- loved I love I, it. I do, I do love Manella. You know, like, I wish it could have worked out. But if we're going on actual stats and the quality of the player, then kind hella, of got to come top yeah. out of yeah. all of them. Um, looking at the, any other question, who's a realistic big-name player we could afford and would fit into the system? Um, ooh. I don't know of any big name players that you know stand out that are going to come into come to Saints. I think in terms of a big name player and what they could turn out to be, I think Ibrahim Kanate, the centre back for RB Leipzig, would be a really, really good buy for Saints. He is a young player who I think would fit perfectly with into into system, and obviously being at Leipzig, he'll know about Hart and and you'll know how Ralph wants to wants his teams to play. He's somewhat, he's one of those players I think that may not be a huge name now, but could certainly do you know add a bit of 20, 2014 to twenty sixteen Southampton dust on him, and he could turn out to be one of those players. And then any problem that we had with you know not getting profits from transfers with someone like him could be uh, thought long into the past. And in terms of realistic, I think. Um, Saints, obviously, are we 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 going to keep Walker-Peters, you know, are are we going to go into the market? I don't don't know, but you always see rumours about trying to get Myler the right-back, and whenever I've seen him play, he seems a really, really good player, and I think Saints would actually, it'd be a bit of a coup for Saints, because he's such a quality player, you'd argue that he could probably do a job at one of the bigger bigger clubs, if Southampton were able to get him, then... You know that 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 would be that be a coup in terms of uh, the the level that Saints are at. So yeah, those two players. I think if we are going to buy anyone in the summer, I think defence needs to be looked at. You know, Cedric has gone to Arsenal. Are we going to get Walker Peters? Valerie seems to be out with an illness that keeps on going on. And um, yeah you know, I think we're sorted in terms of attacking staff. We've got Jennifer, we've got Ings, we've got other players, other players coming through midfield, seems to be alright as well. So to, in my personal view would be Saints should should go with the defence, maybe even go for um, a goalkeeper because, you know, they've bought gun for the future. Um, it, he's been in, he hasn't been in the best of form, and we've gone back to having McCarthy. Most, both of them are good goalkeepers if you want to get to the next level, maybe try and I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think if if we are going to, my only personal preference would probably be just invest in the, in in the defense.
0: Yeah. I, I I don't see a problem with that. I think that's definitely a place we need. need If we're going to buy a midfielder, it's going to have to be a midfielder. that's going to come in and start. And that means, you know, somebody's going to have to make way for that. And, um, I don't know. I think that a lot of that depends on Hoiberg's decision and and how that plays out with him. Uh, so we'll just got to see how that goes. But, um, I mean, let's let's be honest about the Italian players. Um, it's gotta be it's gotta be Pella. Like the man is beautiful. Oh, I'm sure. Um i in, in in every way imaginable. Um and then Gabbiadini for the goal. And then there was also a guy named Fred Kemp. His dad was English in the army, born to an Italian mother, so he's Italian, technically, never played for Italy, uh, but did play for Southampton. Um, that was back in the sixties. I believe. Yep. Uh, in the sixties and in 1970. So he was there. Um, I would put him ahead of Osvaldo just because of his, um, his, what he did. So. Like, he's just got to go, he's got to go as far down the list as I can, as I can shove him because of that. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's it. That's it for me. Um, but I mean, Tom, unless, unless you have anything else, I think we've, I think we've, I think we've covered it all. I was, I was very excited to talk to you. I hope I, I, sometimes I think the, uh, you know, the economics discussion sounds more exciting in my head than maybe it comes off, but I appreciate you putting up with that. And uh, thanks for joining the show.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to be on and chat about some, some football whilst there isn't any, hopefully when things are less safe to do. So we will have some football to chat about. And it'll be uh, fun to possibly come back on after discussing how, Uh, Saints have come away with a win in their first game back, whoever that may be against them, whenever that may be.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I want the football back just as much as anybody. It's just going to take time. I think it's, it's better to probably wait a little bit longer than to rush it back and and risk, um, you know, people's health and safety and things like that. I think that's, that's much more important. And and I I think the, you know, you look around some of the other leagues and more and more leagues are starting to cancel seasons and stuff. So we'll have to kind of see how it all, how it all shapes up and, and how that impacts the club. Going forward, uh, and there was a link, you know, supposedly with a, a, a new owner. So um, we'll see. We'll we'll just let that play out before we spend a lot of time uh, worrying about that or, or or hoping for that or anything else. But um, yeah, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. Uh, people want to find you on Twitter; they can do that. You're at t two one four Murray. Um, you can also find the Under the Lights podcast and subscribe. Uh, that is on Twitter at under underscore saints, uh, and of course Alan March Sport and Saints AD commentary. Um, those things are there for when we return. Uh, for people who are are blind or visually impaired, they can get some some commentary so they can be up to date with everything going on on the pitch. And uh, until then, I just say thanks and and hope that uh, as you get back in uh, to to Solent Sport and you know things that, uh, when things pick up that you enjoy that and and the, you and the team and your family and everybody else continue to do well.
1: Thank you very much, and I uh, hope the same for your family. To keep safe, and uh, we'll be hopefully be enjoying football in the not-too-distant future. And
0: that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Social thanks this week goes out to Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. You can get in touch with Alan March Sport, which is who provides the Saints AD commentary. We didn't talk about it at length this time, Tom's been on the show before, so um, links are in the show notes to get in touch with that if you have any questions about that or you know somebody who can make use of that once football is back. Tom is also involved with the Under the Lights podcast. You can find that at under underscore Saints on Twitter. The link is in the show notes. If you're a Saints fan, get in touch and give it a listen. If you want to follow this show while you're on social media, you can do that. We are at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. You can get in touch with all of that and more by going to Southampton Delivery.com. Uh, there you'll find links to all of the social media, plus uh, ways to subscribe to the show and the newsletter, which comes out each and every Friday would be impossible to do without the partners of the show. Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show. The Southampton page, which you can find on Twitter at Southampton page and Instagram at Southampton page one. Keep me and you up to date with everything going on around the club, uh, even in this time of um, non-football. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim Is True by Pottington Bear. As always, we'll be back on Friday with another newsletter and back next Tuesday with another episode. If you have any questions, be sure to send them in. Uh, I always enjoy hearing from you. And if you like the finance discussion, you can check out The Price of Football. It's a great podcast, one that I personally enjoy, uh, and you may as well. Uh, that's enough for this week. We'll talk to you next time. And until then, from the Together, we march on. And now, a poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. The worst thing I've seen all lockdown is Star Wars, Episode Two. Anakin's, a and who cares about Naboo? So let's let Qui Gon be a bygone, and just kill off Dooku. To be completely honest, I'm not sure what's worse me sitting here doing this on May 4th, or you sitting here listening to it on May 5th. Whatever it is. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.